Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Ooh, it's a little windy out here, <laughs> isn't it, Father Will? It is. It is. We're not in our usual spot. You know, I usually got that nice, cozy St. James Coffee House, but uh, we are uh, airing outdoors today. We are at the future campus of the Jeremiah Program here in Rochester, Minnesota. We're going to hear about the Jeremiah Program a little bit later in the show, um, but right now I just wanted to introduce us. I'm Matt Wilkham, Communications Director for the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, along with Father Will Thompson, and you're listening to Real Presence Live. We are in southeast Minnesota where it is a little, it is blustery. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I probably should have worn my long sleeve shirt today, but uh, oh well, I'm a Minnesotan. I we, can handle it. We do have warm, <laughs> or hot rather, St. James coffee yes. delivered here to, uh, for us to help keep us warm. So that is that is good. Yeah, so I know, uh, you know our listeners out there are probably hearing a little bit of the breeze uh, in, in the background. So yeah. uh, I apologize if that's causing any uh, difficulty in hearing, but, uh, but it is wonderful to be here. And as we... Uh, just experience the wonder of being here and uh, being able to see this future site of Jeremiah Project, which we're going to hear about in a little bit. Uh, it's always good to start with prayer. Let's do this. So begin, let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly, Pro- Heavenly Father, we pray through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Maximilian Kolbe today that we would entrust ourselves fully to you, that no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter the trials, no matter the joy, that we would share all with you, knowing that you hold us in the palm of your hands. Help us to remain faithful to the love that you have shown us and to grow in the gifts of faith, hope, and love ourselves. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, this is different. This is. It's different being outside. I, you know, it's a little, little overcast, so I don't have to worry about uh, having my shades on today. Uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm kind of liking this. I like the fact that it's overcast, and I like mm-hmm. the fact that we're able to broadcast outside in Minnesota, mm-hmm. at least <laughs> some part of the year. Mm-hmm. It's uh, August 14th. It's a Wednesday morning. And it's it's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's no. just a little windy. That's all. It is a little windy, but it's you know diff- different throughout our listening area, which I uh, just happened to traverse uh, uh, pretty much the entire listening area. I got back yesterday morning from Glacier National Park oh, out, awesome. out in western Montana. So got to see all of the state of Montana from uh, west to east, and um, go through uh, through North Dakota. Um, you know, we we hear so often of uh, our listeners and. You Know, in the Williston area, Fargo area, uh, across Minnesota, so so it's kind of nice to see all of those different areas here in the last couple of days uh, as, I, as I was traveling back from some vacation. Well, I want to hear more about that. But uh, speaking of North, North Dakota, before we go any further, let's get a preview of today's Real Presence Live with producer Aaron Breen. Thank you very much, Matt. We're going to have a great show today. I was kind of jealous when I was hearing about all these good things going on there. (laughs) But uh, we definitely have good things going on right at the Jeremiah Program campus. 
Joe Marie Morris and Karina Van Meekeren are going to be speaking about the future of the Jeremiah program. And uh, you'll be hearing the noise in the background. That's the, that's the building that'll be housing the great programs going on there. We'll be talking more about that. We'll also have Sister Marlis Jacks here to talk about how she's helping the Jeremiah, the Jeremiah program. Then we'll have Father Will Thompson for Straight Talk. We'll be lifting your intentions during Perfectly Yours. Doug and Sandy Stuckel will be talking about the Ambassadors for Christ training. We look forward to more information about that. We'll take the 10-minute tour of local events. And Brittany Block, uh, Jeremiah program graduate, will share her story about how the Jeremiah program has really helped her out. All this and much more right here on Real Presence Live. Father and Matt, back to you. Sounds like a great show. Thanks, Aaron. Again, you're listening to Real Presence Live uh, on a Wednesday morning. It's about five minutes past the hour, and we have with us this morning a couple of guests. I want to say in studio, but we're outside (laughs) at the site of this national nonprofit that is establishing a presence here in Rochester. We have Joe Maria Morris and Karina Van Meekeren. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us this morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. We really appreciate it. Now, I uh, just wanted to tell people a little, a little bit about what, what is Jeremiah Program? So Jeremiah Program is one of the nation's most successful strategies to end the cycle of poverty for single mothers and their children two generations at a time. And that's really what's unique about Jeremiah Program. It's really a whole family, two-generation approach to ending poverty. Excellent. And uh, Karina, we just heard from Joe Marie. Now, Karina, uh, this program is relatively new to the Rochester area. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the excitement for bringing it here? Yes, we're very excited. You know, Southeast Minnesota does have a large um, single mother-headed household population. And we have had so much support in the area in Southeast Minnesota from the county to agencies to um, other community agencies and everybody has just been a wonderful um, partner in bringing it here. That's wonderful and I'm going to go off script a little bit here. Joe Marie, we were talking uh, before we went on air about uh, where else the Jeremiah program is. Uh, You said that there are seven programs and five physical sites including the Rochester site that is uh, currently under under, uh, construction although they're kind of destructing the ground right now, Mm -hmm. uh, getting it all ready but but could you tell us a little bit how the program has grown? I can and I'd love to tell you just a little bit about the origin too. Uh, Great question. So um, Jeremiah program started over 20 years ago in Minneapolis. We have a campus in Minneapolis now, one in St. Paul. Our newest is in Fargo-Moorhead. We have a campus in Austin, Texas. We'll have our campus opening here next summer. And then we have two non-residential programs, one going on in Boston and one in Brooklyn, New York. Jeremiah program really was the vision of a Catholic priest, Michael O'Connell, who was at the time working at the Basilica in Minneapolis and um, really met with leaders in education and business and put their heads together to say, you know, what can we do to really move these women out of poverty? And Jeremiah was a solution for that. So how did it come here? Uh, I- you know, uh, Karina, you, you mentioned a little bit about that. You know, there there is a, a large population of uh, homes led by single mothers in in the Rochester area in southeastern Minnesota. But how how is it that it came about that the Jeremiah program is being built right now? 
Jeremiah program, this is, it's kind of a, it's meant to be kind of grassroots if effort from the community, which has been really amazing. Um, the reason it happened is because our director of health, housing, human services, Paul Fleisner, her Jeremiah program CEO, Gloria Perez, speak at an event, believe it or not, in DC <laughs> and said, wow, this program is amazing. The outcomes are amazing. It's essential in my, essentially in my backyard. I've never heard about it before. And after that time, Paul started bringing community leaders up to the Twin Cities to say, what can we do to build a program here? Excellent. You're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilkham, along with Father Will Towson. And we're speaking with Joe Marie Morris and Karina Van Meekeren about the Jeremiah program. And we're broadcasting live this morning from the site, uh, the, the future site of this program in Rochester. It's expanding by leaps and bounds, it seems here. And we're talking about how it, it's come here and what does it mean for for each of you to be able to uh, just yourselves to serve single mothers who are who are in desperate need of help with the, the the Jeremiah program accomplishes? Well, for me, I have been a single mother for a significant amount of time, and so on a personal note, it really um, hits home in general. Um, secondly, I've been in the social work and corrections field for over twenty two years, and honestly this is the most successful program i've ever seen or been a part of or been able to refer to um so being a part of it that way is just wonderful um i would say also you know just doing god's work it feels like do you know being the hands and feet and helping um mothers in need and children at the same time is is you know hits my heart so i love doing that and for me, I guess I would say the same thing both personally and professionally. So in my prior career before joining Jeremiah program, I was an attorney and practiced law for 20 years. Um, much of the work that I did in the last 10 years of my practice was immigration law, and I worked really uh, closely with Catholic Charities and many organizations that helped um, women and single mothers um, in the immigrant community. And um, that's really what sparked my passion in Jeremiah program really realizing that that it's it's everyone coming together to to support um, families that really makes a difference and being part of that for me personally I was a single mom when I went to law school and I was had the benefit of this really robust and supportive family faith community friends that were there supporting me the women at Jeremiah program they don't have that community of support and that's really what our you know our founding uh, uh, visionary founder would say is the secret sauce of Jeremiah wrapping them in this community of support um, to support them while they do the hard work of completing their education and then modeling that education and work for their children and as you mentioned it's a you know to a multi-generational mm -hmm. approach uh, which uh, I've, I've, I'm aware of a few other programs that that have that approach and it just seems to be so beneficial uh, that you're not only you know I mean, from from a priestly perspective, you know, I'm, more, I'm accustomed to you know the pastoral care and you know kind of reaching the immediate need, mm -hmm. um, and and there's there, there's a need for that, but there's also that need to help the next generation to to see you know a different outcome, uh, to see a different different possibility, um, whether whether that's you know here with single motherhood or you know, we talk maybe more broadly about uh, the cycle of poverty uh, and breaking that that cycle of poverty. It's really really a wonderful thing. Um, how do you see, uh, with opening this new campus, how do you see that 
expanding your ability or helping you to meet the needs of mothers in, in an even even greater way? Um, and is that something that's going to be limited right here to Roche- Rochester, or are you able to reach a little bit beyond uh, the city? Well, so our campus in general is for all of Southeast Minnesota. It's not just Rochester. So, you know, we hope to draw women from all of Southeast Minnesota. We already have from uh, multiple counties, and we hope to expand that even more. But just having the Jeremiah program here and and building our campus will provide the stable and safe housing um, for the families that we have. That'll be a game changer, just having that place that they can go. Um, But adding the on-site child development center will will simplify their lives tremendously. That part will be um, wonderful for them. And then I know that our families are most looking forward to the sisterhood of having the other women doing the life side by side with each other, um, having the same challenges and going through the same things and um, attending school sometimes for the first time, but oftentimes again and with that supportive circle and that supportive system is is going to be the best part. Yeah, it sounds like it's something that is going to draw people in but you know as, as i look out here uh there's a road and uh, i think they've got some utilities uh <laughs> un- un- underneath the the earth right now but you know just moving a lot of dirt but but you said uh, i forget the exact words you said that uh already uh, there's already uh this this group of women what, what what do you mean by that we've we've already been doing programming for a year with families so and we're continue to do that until we open um so we have an empowerment class that the women have to go through first. It's a 16-week course. Um, And then uh, those that are admitted into our program, they will continue um, with programming. So we do a a once-a-week life skills course. And we bring in different members from the community, different professionals that can teach on different topics. Um, We have a set um, number of topics that have to be covered each year, but then we'll add in different things like general car maintenance and, and home skills and in addition to the parenting and budgeting and healthy relationships, things like that. Yeah, I think I spread on your website that uh, at least 20 families have gone through the program in the area here so far in, Ro- in the Rochester area. Yep, so we have, we have 12 active families right now. We have 15 more that will be starting here in two weeks. Um, and then we'll have another cohort that will start in early January. Now, so, wh- and we have people on the list for that group already, too. Where have you been conducting the program thus far? So already we started out at RCTC. Um, uh, they offered their location, and um, it, was wonder- it was wonderful for class. Um, it was just a little difficult for childcare, And so Autumn Ridge Church has offered their location, which oh, wonderful. Um, really has accommodated all the kids' needs that we need during class time, too. So we've d- we're doing it there right now until we open. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So uh, as, we're, as we're here at the site, uh, you were here uh, not too long ago for the groundbreaking uh, of, of this site. What, can you tell us about that and uh, just the, the, the energy uh, that, w- that was there for the, for the groundbreaking? felt so, such incredible gratitude for the community coming out for the event. We had over 200 people here. We had the Commissioner of Minnesota Housing, the Director of Health, Housing, and Human Services for Olmstead County who helped launch this for us, Gloria Perez, who our, our CEO. And one of the things that was really special for us is really the focus on the family. So we had one of our partic- current participants speak at the event. And then for the groundbreaking itself, we had the children and the moms with the shovels. So seeing the children with their little hard hats on, with their different colored shovels, 
that was over the moon happiness for me. Um, and, and then again, um, this is something Karina touched on. Having that cross-sector support, having the, the faith community there, the business community there, representatives of government there, it's going to take the entire community to break the cycle of poverty. So that was just, an, it was an amazing feeling. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And it's, uh, you know, as, as we look out at the uh, the project, you know, uh, people who are familiar with groundbreaking ceremonies know that it still takes a little bit of time uh, <laughs> before you get there. What's the timeline that you anticipate uh, uh, before uh, uh, some of these uh, families will be able to move in to their new home? Um, we are hoping that um, construction is complete by late spring, early summer next year. And so we'll have families moving in right away. We have several that are homeless currently. So they, they need to move in as soon as possible. Yeah, uh, that, that, that would be great. Sooner than later. Uh, 16 minutes past the hour. It's R the RPR Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilkham along with Father Will Thompson. We're broadcasting live from the future campus of the Jeremiah program here in Rochester, Minnesota, right across the street from Lourdes High School. Uh, a, a beautiful location here. Uh, it's it's uh, I, it's it's just far enough out of the center of things where you feel like you you've really got your own space here. It, you can spread out enough. Uh, you've got the St. Mary's campus right across the street as well. So a lot of similar type of entities and support for this type of initiative, I would imagine. We're really excited about that. We're so thankful to Jack and Marianne Remick for donating our property here. And we're looking, we're really looking forward to uh, partnerships with Lure High School students coming, doing community services here, um, and all the great uh, businesses that are, are here. We also have a great location as far as transportation goes, too. We've got a bike trail right here. We're right on the bus line. It'll make really easy access for the families to, to get around the community safely. Excellent. There's a lot that's coming together to make this already successful uh, as you've already begun uh, meeting with the families uh, as you anticipate the build the, the the completion of this building uh, it's a lot to look forward to uh, in our last minutes uh, is there is there anything else that you would like to add uh, about the Jeremiah program well that anybody can get involved we have multiple ways that people can get involved through volunteering um, we always need volunteers to help for during our class nights because we need child care watchers we need food brought in for our cook for kids program um, but we have upcoming events uh, we have our upcoming gala on october 11th um, that we would love to have people come and be a part of and support our program in um, then later on in the holidays we'll have adopt a family um, that we uh, operate every year so the multiple ways that people can come and be a part of jeremiah Okay, well, how can how can people get a hold of you then if they want to get involved with Jeremiah Program? The best way to do that is go right to our website at jeremiahprogram.org. Click on Rochester. You will see a place for applications, um, a place for volunteer opportunities. You'll also have um, our phone numbers right on the website there, too. Feel free to call any of us at any time to, to ask any questions about the program. We'd love to, to tell you all more. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank Karina you. Van Meekeren and Joe Marie Morris of the Jeremiah Program, expanding to Rochester, Minnesota, right across from Lourdes High School and St. Mary's University campus here. It's a beautiful location and a beautiful program, uh, a wonderful uh, dovetail to our Catholic social teaching, I think. Right, Father Will? It is. It All is. right. Um, thank you so much uh, again for being here, and uh, we are going to uh, be continuing our prayers for the program.
Up next, we'll hear more about the Jeremiah program from one of the leaders who brings her passion amidst the challenges of this ministry. Also, if you have any questions you'd like to ask Father, get ready for Straight Talk. And I'm Matt Wilkham, along with Father Will Thompson. This is Real Presence Live. Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Built Upon a Rock Fest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rock Fest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at builtuponarockfest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rock Fest on September 14th. Attend a Catholic United Financial Workshop with Brian Zitzman, your local Catholic United rep on end-of-life issues from a Catholic perspective. Our speakers will discuss Catholic Church teachings on health care directives, protecting human dignity, and end-of-life financial issues. The free workshops will be at 7 p.m. on August 20th at St. Clara Parish in Clara City, August 28th at St. Joseph Parish in Montevideo, and September 4th at St. Andrew Parish in Granite Falls. Text WORKSHOP to 1-800-568-6670 to save your seat. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. And we're back on site of the future Jeremiah program campus uh, in Rochester, Minnesota. I'm Matt Wilkham along with Father Will Thompson, you're listening to Real Presence Live, and we've been talking about the Jeremiah program thus far on the program, and uh, we're going to be continuing to, to talk about this because it takes a whole community to bring an initiative like this to fruition. It takes strong leaders. One of those is Sister Marlis Jacks, and uh, she is on site here. We are we are broadcasting live, and she is as brave the elements to come and join us here on Real Presence Live. Thank you so much, sister, for being here. You're welcome. Glad to be here. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to be on site. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of, lot of action going on here, a lot of dirt being moved around, uh, and uh, we're just excited. I can see some construction workers over there pounding a stake in. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot going on. There's some surveying, and we want to survey you about how this initiative came to Rochester. What, what led this to this w- wonderful development. Well, one of the things is I think we as Sisters of St. Francis are always interested in how do we fit in the community? And one of the ways is is to look at what's available around us and what isn't available around us. And we looked at 10 or 12 years ago, we looked at saying, what is it that we need in, in Rochester? And one of the things that came up was workforce housing. And then it led us to poverty housing. So that was one of the issues that we looked at. Where do we fit in with this? How do we do? What can we do to help move this along? 
So what was your role in that? You, you identified uh, a need uh, w- w- with, with the other sisters uh, uh, up on the hill, uh, as, mm-hmm. uh, as we say, at CC Heights. Um, what was your role or the sisters' role in, uh, co- in, in coordinating with the, the Jeremiah program in making this new campus a reality? Well, one of the things that we did probably about 10, 12 years ago, we met with the city planners and said, okay, what can we do about this issue? Where do we go with it? How can we help it move it along? And um, then we started looking for agencies that had some ability to partner, because we were looking for partners, to say, how do we help this along? And so we interviewed about three or four different agencies and uh, groups of people that work with housing. And we were looking particularly at comprehensive housing, Mm -hmm. not just putting a roof over their heads. But in addition to that, how do we help them to move along to get out of poverty? How do we help their children? And so that was when we fell into the hands of Jeremiah Project. We interviewed them. We were thrilled with their mission and thought, this really fits with what we're about. And so we're going to support this in whatever way we can. Obviously, this Jeremiah program is a is a faith-friendly initiative, even a faith-based initiative. It is. Uh, I would imagine that the Sisters of, of St. Francis here in Rochester, um, that, that played a role in your choosing this particular initiative? I don't know that it was the primary role in it. It certainly was a sep- secondary one uh, because we, you know, believe in the corporate works of mercy. And so this is one of the ways in which we can... Uh, advocate for, you know, feed the hungry and clothe the naked and uh, shelter the homeless and all of those things fit under that. And so that's our initiative and that's part of our mission. And so you're looking at the Corporal Works Mercy, and yet that's still fairly broad. It is. Uh, why this specific cause? You're looking at single mothers uh, you know, with children. Um, what, what attracted you or what, uh, what motivated you to, to support the Jeremiah program? Well, one of the things is that I think we in our history have been uh, very uh, uh, focused on education for all of our years since its very beginning. And as a result, one of the things is that to change what happens in people's lives, you need to be educated. So there's an education component with this program, which helps move people out of poverty. I've had enough experience in um, our own culture in the United States, but also in other cultures. And uh, I was in Africa, I worked in India, and I worked and spent time in Cambodia. And there I, I saw firsthand how education can change what happens with people. And I came home and said, this is what we need to do. That I think that uh, just the very nature of the state of Minnesota is a testimony to that. You know, the highly educated uh, people here in this state, I think, are a, a contributing uh, factor to the economic success in this area. And so having a comprehensive program like that, where you not only provide a roof over someone's head, but also education, child care, that allows them to do that is huge. And, I mean, what does it mean for you personally, Sister Marlis, to be able to be, to be part of helping single mothers in such a powerful way? Well, I think one of our missions in the congregation is to be a compassionate presence to people. And personally, that's also one of mine. I belong to Compassionate Rochester MN, and we look at efforts in which we can bring compassion to the streets. Um, And 
Rochester, I would have to say, some of the poverty is hidden. It isn't sure. when you look at the city of Rochester and uh, you don't see it real regu- real easily, so you have to look for it. And this is <clears throat> one of the ways in which I think we can bring compassion beyond the hillside. And one of the things about compassion, you know, that word means you know to suffer with. with. And so it's really, really a... You know, embodied. Uh, you really enter in. So, what would you say to those listening right now about stepping out of their comfort zones to show that compassion, to bring real change to a community, and share the gospel message uh, in in the process to those who need to hear it? Well, I think you know, stepping out is really the important thing because that's what I know what changed me when I had to move in an area that uh, I was not comfortable with. And seeing poverty at its <clears throat> at its worst in some of those countries, and particularly in India, but I also saw it in the hollers of of uh, Kentucky as well. So I knew it was at home, and I knew it was even closer to home. So for me, it, needing to get out and experience it was what changed my heart, because I really do believe that heart is where um, um, life gets nourished. Sister Marlis, thanks for sharing with us. Uh, this is a quick interview. Is there is there any parting thoughts that you would like to leave us with? You know, I think when I think back about uh, housing, um, Mother Alfred in her days took in the people from the cyclone when it happened in 1883. Uh, we took in uh, lots of people during the flood in Rochester. We had the Overground Railroad for five, six years in which we took in all kinds of people on our way to Canada. And I think we helped start Habitat, we helped to um, start what's now called Family Promise, and we helped start the um, um, Dorothy Day House. Okay. So all of those things have to do with housing. So it fits with our mission since the very beginning. Yeah. No, that's a lot of good. That is a lot of good that the sisters have done throughout uh, throughout their time. Sister Marlis, thank you for joining us. It's been wonderful to hear about the Sisters of St. Francis' role in bringing the uh, Jeremiah program here. You're listening to Real, Pre- Real Presence Radio. And that sound effect means... We're finished. It's time for Straight Talk with Father Will Thompson, where he will answer your questions about the Catholic faith. If you've got something on your mind, something on your heart that you want to talk about that is just burning to get out there and you don't know who who to ask, Father Will is here. And the number to call is 877-795-0122. Again, that number to call to talk to Father Will Thompson is 877-795-0122 on our Straight Talk segment here on Real Presence Live. And uh, if there's anything that you would like to ask him about, you know, wh- whether it be apologetic questions or a spiritual question, maybe a pastoral question, something, uh, something that you're struggling with personally, uh, and anything is uh, a fair game. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know, just starting off with the the two interviews that we've had so far with these three women who have who have joined us, you know, the Jeremiah program. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for it. I think it's a wonderful addition to this uh, town of Rochester. Uh, I honestly didn't realize how much the Sisters of St. Francis do with so many of the other uh, initiatives uh, to help those who are homeless, to help uh, bring people out of poverty. Um, they've they've just done 
really so much good. Uh, but one thing stood out to me as we were interviewing Sister Marlis is that she said it was 10 to 12 years ago that they started looking at different agencies to partner with, uh, to work with, to bring this to fruition. And I think that that's one of the things now, on the one hand, uh, people don't always realize uh, just how much uh, behind-the-scenes work goes into uh, bringing some of these these programs to fruition, these programs that help with the corporal works of mercy. Um, but it can, on the other hand, it can also be scary. You know, it can frighten people away to say, well, you know, it's going to take so much time, so much effort, and, and who knows what it's actually going to do. But you know, as, we could, as we've heard in the interviews so far, there is uh, sincere excitement, and the program's already running. It's already going. We're still waiting for the building to uh, to arrive uh, and to house these, these families, but it's just a, a remarkable um, effort that has gone into making this a reality. And we're so blessed to have the Sisters of St. Francis here in Rochester to help recognize the needs here. I, I know I mentioned earlier about the economic success of this state, this country in general, I, sometimes hides, and she alluded to this uh, as well, Sister Marla, sometimes hides the, the, the poverty that exists. It exists everywhere, but sometimes we don't always see it. It kind of seems like... Uh, Maybe anti- I don't want to say antiseptic. Maybe that's not the right word. But uh, but when you look around, it you really have to look for it in order to find it in an area like this. Or even if you do see it, you don't realize the the, the extent. You know the extent to which uh, the homelessness is a reality. You know Rochester is getting to the point. You know, it's about 120,000 uh, people who live here. Uh, last I heard, it's, it's growing every day. Um, and it's getting to the point where, where people are noticing uh, the homeless, uh, homeless persons a little bit more. But it, it's not just in larger cities. It's in tiny towns as well. And um, I think one, one, one part of homelessness that people don't always realize, it doesn't just mean that you, you don't have a roof over your head. Uh, but so you, don't, you don't have a permanent roof over your head. You know, homeless people, uh, sometimes they, you know, they, they move about from couch to couch. You know, they stay at a friend's house or a family's home you know, as long as they're able to, and then they move on somewhere else. Uh, um, you know, as long as their welcome is, uh, is there. Um, but it's it's great to be able to have some uh, some places established like this where people can come. They can create some stability, uh, get their feet underneath them, get that education, get that support, uh, that uh, sorority life, uh, um, uh, kind of in the positive sense um, uh, that's uh, that they'll have here at the, at the Jeremiah uh, program. Uh, really, really remarkable. I, I think of the gospel parable of the rich man and Lazarus. When I think of a, an initiative like this Jeremiah program, how the rich man, his sin was really just not even recognizing Lazarus, the the, the poor man underneath the, the, the steps. And, and we just sometimes have to be willing to open our eyes mm-hmm. and and to recognize that there are people out there who need our help, who actually have a claim on some of what we have by the very nature that they don't have enough to sustain their own lives or those who are in their care. And that's what Jeremiah program is, is all about, is helping young mothers, single mothers with children who 
not only have to take care of themselves, but are entrusted with the care of others. That's right. That's right. You know, we're uh, we're here at uh, Real Presence Live and the Straight Talk segment of today's show. Uh, I'm Father Will Thompson, along with Matt Wilcom, and we encourage your questions, uh, uh, whether they're uh, about uh, homelessness or the corporal works of mercy or uh, anything else about the faith. Uh, it's it's fair game. So we welcome your questions. Feel free to call in at eight seven seven. Seven nine five zero one two two. That's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can also submit questions uh, through uh, through the Real Presence Live Facebook page. Um, you know, as as you were talking, Matt, I, I was reminded of one of my favorite stories of Pope Francis. Uh, that uh, was several years ago, and a group of seminarians had come to visit him, and um, and they greeted each other and uh, had had their niceties. And then uh, the Pope Pope said, "Oh, did you notice? Uh, did you notice the poor as you were coming in?" And they said, "Yes, yes, Holy Father, we did." And did you did you give them uh, you know some money? Said, yes, yes, Holy Father, yes, we did that. And did you look at them in the eyes and say hello? And they were lost for words. And uh. it's you know it, it, it's it's just. It speaks to the importance of recognizing the humanity yeah. of these people because we can be afraid. You know, we can be afraid of those who live differently than us. We can be afraid of uh, people who appear to us to be needy um, and that they're going to ask for something that either I can't give or I don't want to give. Um, but at the very least, at the very least, I think you to use the word that Sister Marlis used, you know, compassion, to suffer with them, to, to acknowledge them, to identify their humanity, uh, that that's just such an important piece. My dad told me a story one time when he was in college uh, down in Milwaukee. Uh, there was a gentleman who was begging, uh, and uh, my dad he did give him him something, and uh, he, uh, he 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 uh, he said the other man said, "Thank you, I will appreciate it." <laughs> it was just kind of this <laughs> this funny moment where this guy kind of cracked a, a, a joke a yep. little bit, and 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 it kind of I think made my father. Uh, realize even more that that humanity you know that that the other person is a human being and uh, just because they're in a tight spot doesn't mean that they can't joke around with you yeah and 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 that's uh, something that always stuck with him yeah and that's i mean i mean don't we all want to do that you know we, we you know we like being funny we like to uh have other people uh, laugh with us um uh personally most of my humor is having people laugh at me yeah uh, and you know that that's all right that that, that gets the job done as well but. i get the eye roll from my kids usually yeah i'm so punny yep it's painful it is and you know i've uh, i've come to recognize that while i may not, may not be a dad uh i do have the ability to give dad humor great uh, and and I, and I certainly appreciate that again we're on straight talk right now at real presence live and we invite your questions uh call on in 877-795-0122 now matt as we began the show today uh i was remarking how i had recently traversed the uh the length of our listening area and um i'm gonna break out my my pen here and take a look at the uh at the map and yeah actually i got it a little a little, little further west than uh, than we go i didn't get down into wyoming you fell get, off the uh, you fell off the edge I, of the world i fell off the edge of the world and it was fantastic it was really really <laughs> a, a, a great blessing i was able to spend uh, about almost a week out at glacier national park with a uh, another priest friend of mine a classmate and uh it was just such a great 
blessing. I mean, it, it truly was awe-inspiring. You know, I was, uh, I was thinking a little bit about the um, the change in translation with the rite right of confirmation uh, that's, um, that we had that change. You know, now we have uh, the fear of God um, as, 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 I think, more properly um, translated. But the, the old translation was the wonder and awe. And I couldn't help but think, you know, almost every moment that I was out in that mountain country, just the wonder and awe of God's God's creation, and and sometimes just you know spontaneously breaking out into song. Uh, I didn't keep the moose away. Uh, no, uh, no, no. I was I was just singing along, and and all of a sudden there's a moose right there. And, hey, moose. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thankfully he was busy uh, eating away and uh, had no interest in us whatsoever. <laughs> but it's but but it it was great to be able to take a step back uh, from just the busyness of life and 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 also to remind myself you know i I don't have to go all the way out to uh western montana uh to be reminded of the beauty of god's creation you know of the wonder of god's creation uh i mean even just even just being here in open field as they're uh uh, tilling the soil getting ready to put up a building for the jeremiah program um you know there's great beauty all around us and you know it's so wonderful when that can lift our hearts, uh, when that can raise us beyond ourselves uh, to acknowledge uh, the, the the wonder of God's creation. Now, it's so important, Father Will, and uh, sometimes we do need a jolt, I think. I know I do. We were out, uh, my family and I, we went out to Rocky Mountain National Park uh, last month, and we're treated to some breathtaking views, obviously, um, some hair-raising car rides, uh, you know, trying to uh, figure out how are we ever going to get off this mountain um alive <laughs> but it was just really wonderful uh and the, and you, you you it kind of forces you to step back there's a whole point of of these national parks and these these places uh the whole point of god's beauty is to point us to him and yeah. to recon- uh, for us to recognize that he loves us yeah. and he wants to be in relationship with us that's what all of this creation is meant to point us to yeah, yeah, it, it really is, and it's sometimes it takes a little effort uh, to see that. So, you know, we had we had one hike where uh, it was about eleven miles round trip, and I realized that I had just enough water for nine miles, uh, a nine uh-huh. mile hike. So the last two miles was a, a, a little difficult, a little sacrifice. Rough. It was, it was, but um, but but nonetheless, uh, being able to see uh, the mountains, being able to see the glaciers, being able to see wildlife. Thankfully, I saw the bears from inside of a car. Uh, didn't have, <laughs> didn't have to worry about that. Um, but it but it's but it is wonderful uh, in the ways that God presents Himself. That God reveals Himself to us. Mm. Amen. We're going to switch over right now. Uh, we have a, a, a phone call, uh, a, a question from one of our listeners. And so we'll turn it over to our listener. I'm sorry I didn't catch your name. So if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Gina. Gina from Rochester. Welcome to Real Presence Hello. Radio. What's your Thank question you for, for Father me. Will? Thank you. Um, so my, my grandmother used to be um, what we refer to as a diehard Catholic. She had the, the black veil and she never missed a mass. Um, and I was just curious you what traditions have carried on and what maybe new traditions Catholic Church has. That's a great question. And, um, you know, I think sometimes going to a variety of parishes, uh, you can see some of those, some of those traditions, you know, as you talk about the, the black veil, um, 
you know, I, I do I do see some uh, some women still still wearing uh, the black veil. Um, uh, it's not a, a requirement as it once was, but um, uh, can be worn as that uh, that sign that symbol of humility uh, in God's presence as we as we go to church. Um, but you know some some of the the old uh, traditions are the ones we still do we just take for granted you know signing of the cross with with holy water as we as we enter into church um i think uh you know as we look at some of the new traditions um i would probably categorize that under uh more of the uh popular religion um so you know some things might be might be older like the stations of the cross the rosary uh but there are some things that uh, that kind of come and go. Uh, Eucharistic adoration is really big right now. Um, you know, if you just go back 40, 50 years, it wasn't nearly as, as big. Uh, it would happen, um, but it but it wasn't as uh, popular of an expression of faith as it is right now. And and that's one of the, one of the great things about popular religion. Um, I mean, we, we always have to test it and to see, you know, does this really fit into um uh, our, our faith and the practice of the faith, um, but in different times, different places, uh, people will express their faith in different ways. Um, you know, I know here in uh, Minnesota, processions aren't a big thing. Um, they do happen, uh, but they're they're you know, just not real, real big. Uh, but I've, I've gone to some processions in other parts of the world, and it's like the entire town. You know, comes out for right. uh, for, the, for these processions. Here whether, comes everybody. Whether it's a Eucharistic procession or a Marian procession, um, uh, Marian processions are uh, a lot more common. Uh, I think in South America, uh, over in Europe. Um, so, so as you look at those different different traditions, um, yeah, I think sometimes you know just going to different parishes and uh, you know seeing how people celebrate the Mass, looking at the bulletin to see what's uh, what 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 they have there, uh, that can be a way a way of becoming aware uh, of the offerings, and and sometimes people will even join parishes because of the popular religion uh, that is uh, that is practiced there. Um, so, Gene, I hope that uh, helps to answer your question a little bit. I don't know if there was any follow-up, um, uh, the follow-up question that you had with that as, as well. No, that that was perfect. Thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. My pleasure. One of the have uh, a great day. Thanks, Gina. Thanks for the, thanks for calling in. No one problem. Of, one of the uh, thank you, Gina. You're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilk, along with Father Will Thompson. This is Straight Talk. You're listening, listening to the Straight Talk segment where Father Will takes your questions about the Catholic faith or anything that might be on your on your heart that he might be able to offer some spiritual counsel. He's happy to do that right now at 877-795-0122. Again, the number 877-795-0122. Or you can also go on our Facebook page, Real Presence Radio Facebook page, and post your comment or question for Father Will and we will try to get it answered here on the show this morning. And um, I, I was just uh, regard, regarding Gina's question about all the new traditions in the church. Uh, one tradition that's kind of newer that I've noticed is when the priest um, or a parish will put a crucifix on the altar uh, facing the priest, however, mm-hmm. and how you know you used to have you know back a few what was it uh, 50, 60 years ago. Although the masses were said ad orientum, and um, that's which is actually uh, the rubrics, kind of assume that is that that is still the the normative uh, p- 
posture for the priest uh, when it says, then the priest turns to the people and says, blah, blah, blah. But, mm -hmm. um, but for those who do celebrate the Mass uh, facing the people, the, those priests, they have chosen kind of in an organic way to place a crucifix on the altar facing them. So that no, no matter which way they're facing, they're still facing this image of Jesus crucified and reminds them what, what the Mass really is all about. Yeah, because, you know, when, when everyone was facing the same direction, uh, you know, everyone was facing the altar. And so there was a crucifix above the altar uh, that everybody would be able to see. Uh, and so with the, the turning around, uh, with the, the priest facing the people, uh, there is still uh, supposed to be a crucifix in the church uh, that people are able to see. Um, but there is not necessarily a crucifix that the priest is able to see. And so you're right. You know, many, many priests have chosen to put a, a cross on the altar. Um, some will have a standing cross. Um, in, in our parish, uh, I, I have a, a, a cross that's just flat on the altar uh, that I'm able to uh, use to meditate, to uh, help with the prayer. Uh, I mean, as if the Eucharist wasn't enough uh, to, <laughs> to help you help you meditate, but uh, but it, every little but bit it, helps. But it helps helps to you know link that you know that bread and wine becoming the body and blood of Christ flows from the cross, uh, mm -hmm. that it flows from the cross and uh, really is a, a, great, um, a great reminder of linking uh, the entire Paschal mystery uh, and bringing into the present as we get to receive the Eucharist. Another thing that came to mind as far as a popular devotion, Father Thompson, is the Divine Mercy Chaplet, a fairly new uh, prayer in the church. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet I've noticed in my experience in, in, in the other uh, Eastern rites of the church, there are certain words, phrases that are in this chapel of, of divine mercy. Uh, I'm thinking of the holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, mm -hmm. like say, or that are that have always been in the Byzantine rite, uh, that are now in this prayer, and it's kind of like God is, in a way, trying to unite the the, the two lungs of the church, and it and it makes it makes sense. You know, Sister Faustina lived in Poland. Uh, you know, very, very close to more the Byzantine rite. You know, that, that's Poland would be primarily uh, Roman Catholic. Um, but, you know, as, as, as we know, we are uh, shaped, we are formed a little bit by those who are around us, uh, though, by our neighbors. And, you know, so for Sister Faustina, I'm sure that that language would have crossed over into Poland, uh, that it would have influenced them. Uh, in, in, in much the way, as, I, as much as I hate to say it, that I know many of my friends here in Minnesota are Packer fans. You know, that's, uh, you know we live in Minnesota, but Wisconsin, Green Bay has you know, kind of uh, reached over the border. I'm and, one of those infiltrators. Influence. Oh, my goodness. I'm so, I, I, I can't liked, say I I'm you sorry, so much. but I like you so much. I, uh, <laughs> I got I to go. This, I, I, I can't do this anymore. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, that's okay. I, I will forgive you for being a Viking fan. Excellent, thank you. You know, I, I was um, as we were as we were talking a little bit about the uh, um, you know about creation and the beauty of creation. How creation uh, you know is a revelation of God to us. Um, we also know, of course, that the Bible uh, is is a, a revelation of God. Uh, that the, the, the Bible you know is the the living Word of God, the way that God reveals Himself to us. Um, and yet, sometimes you know there, there's something more to it. Uh, you know, I went over to Glacier National Park uh, to you know, really glory in God's creation. Um, 
but I haven't had the opportunity yet to head east, to go over to Jerusalem, uh, to be able to see the Holy Land, to be able to identify those places where Jesus walked, where he teached, where he performed miracles. Um, but it, it was kind of interesting that uh, recently it was, uh, CNN, uh, of, of all news sources, uh, was uh, talking about an uh, archaeological dig, uh, finding evidence for the Babylonian conquest of Jerusalem, and, and really just the way that the Bible tells it. And it's, um, it's one of those gifts, I think, that we have every now and then uh, that archaeology can unearth a little bit of the past to help us realize that, you know, this particular way of God revealing himself to us, you know, it's not myth. It's, it's not uh, something that people just kind of put together uh, to support their, their country, their nation, their people. Um, but there, there is a reality to it. And, um, you know, I've, I've talked to uh, a number of people who have had the opportunity to travel over to uh, Jerusalem, to travel over the Holy Land, and they all remark about how it really brings to life you know, the scriptures for us. And, and, and as wonderful as that is, as, as, as great as it is to be able to uh, hear about, uh, you know, be able to see this place where Jesus walked, it's not a reality. It's not a real possibility for most of us, probably. Um, but I, but I think it, you know, there, it still speaks to something that the, you know, the scriptures are alive, and sometimes we have to rely on what other people have seen and heard, that's uh, right. and that, and that's kind of what the scriptures are. That's it is what it's, it's what other people have seen and heard, and so they put it in writing, they share it in in story, so that we can glory in God's gift, not only of creation, but also of salvation. Right. I, I referenced earlier, you know, you falling off the edge of the earth. <laughs> going to Glacier National Park because you traveled outside the uh, the um, Real Presence Radio network uh, of, of stations, but you know, and I just reminded of, of that reality that uh, the Earth is is round, but I have never seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. I am going off of secondhand knowledge. I'm going off of uh, other people telling me that this is true, and I'm I'm believing them. I'm choosing to believe that. Yep. And it's the same thing with our faith. Uh, it is reasonable. It is uh, uh, totally not opposed to science. It, 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 it supports science, and science supports our religion. There's no conflict there. Right. But both religion and science depend on one another. Both faith and reason. Both require a, 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 a certain level of belief, if you will. Because... W- if I don't have faith, then what am, how can I put my faith in my reason? Well, what, yeah. what reason do I have to do that? Well, and I, you know, I was just reading a, a little bit of uh, Bishop Barron uh, here the other day, and um, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the book, but it's uh, based off interviews uh, with with Bishop Barron, and uh, they talk about his approach of advocating for the beauty, you know, the beautiful, the good. And the true, uh, and we often reverse them as the transcendentals—the true, the good, the beautiful. Um, but he likes to start with the beautiful because you know it's something that we can, you know, yeah, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and yet there is something we can all identify and agree that there there is some beauty there, and then that leads us to the good, uh, and then to the true. And so in the, when he's talking about the true and how that can lead us toward faith, that can increase our faith, that um, you know what what he. 
uh, what, what he says is that, uh, you know, the church is pro-science. You know, the, 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 church, the church really wants to uh, uh, advocate for science, that the science and faith, you know, when they, when they are adequate, when they are accurate, they can't contradict each other. Right. You know, that it's uh, that 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 just doesn't uh, doesn't happen. Right. You're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilkham, communications director for the Winona Rochester Diocese here in southeast Minnesota. We are on location on site of the future Jeremiah program here in Rochester across the street from Lourdes High School and St. Mary's University Cascade Meadow campus and uh, a beautiful setting here. We're talking about the way of beauty that Bishop Barron references. It's something that we can all identify with and a great place to start when you're talking about evangelizing someone or trying to share the beauty, the, the, the goodness of God. You start with beauty. Yeah. And no matter where you are, you can, you can point to that beauty. And this is part of what uh, our churches are meant to signify, right? Right, Father. They are, you know, and, and as you know, that beauty can lead us to uh, understand and live goodness. You know, I, ideally, that's uh, meant to lead us to truth as well. And so, we have a, a question from um, uh, from Bob on Facebook uh, that has come in. Uh, and Bob asks, "Why does the church allow priests and bishops to speak out of personal opinion and uh, derive division?" Uh, and it does not follow church teachings. I'm not sure if I uh, caught all the wording on that. And um, you know, certainly that's that's a that's a great challenge. It's it's really really a um, a challenge when we when we see that division, you know, that that happens within the church uh, through the through the teaching of the priests of the bishops. Um, you know, there there are some things that it is personal opinion, and personal opinion is fair. Uh, personal opinion is a, is a, an appropriate. You know, response in in a in a particular area. Um, you know, there are some things where the the church is going to say, you know, this is this is what the church teaches. Um, but then, you know, there are some personal opinions that can go into it. You know, right now is ordinary time, and so I'm going to wear green vestments. But exactly the design that's going to be on those green de- green vestments, well, there's there's room for uh, for personal opinion on on how I want to uh, wear those vestments and what what they're going to look like. Um, you know there are different uh, different steps. Uh, you know if if that's um, you know personal opinion uh, becomes rooted, becomes uh, um, consistent. You know you know we can we, you know we can go so far as to start talking about heresy. Um, but you know heresy heresy is not uh, a false teaching. Heresy is persisting in a false teaching after being uh, corrected obstinately uh, obstinately, uh, obstinately you know, where, 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 where someone you know someone says and usually you know, it's going to come down to the congregation for the doctrine of faith over in Rome uh, and they, they will say you know, we have some uh, dubia uh, some doubts some concerns about this particular teaching um, and that uh, you know there's some time for conversation time for clarification you know what do you mean when you say this um, but I, I think at a parish level uh you know, it's probably not helpful to write to the congregation for the doctrine of faith. Uh, you know, when you hear a priest say something um, that you you think is divisive, that you think is contrary to church teaching, you know, I think the, start, the starting point is really to to say, "Hey, Father, you know, you said this uh, in your homily or in a teaching, and um, I have some questions about it. You know, is, would there be a time that we could sit down, 
talk that I could understand uh, what, what you're saying, you know, because we, we live in a culture where it's so easy to point the finger and to, uh, you know, to really judge that person um, based off of what I heard them say. Right. Rather than taking the opportunity to understand what was said. And I uh, just re- reminded of today's gospel. It goes along with this. When if your brother sins against you, it says, first go to him face to face. Yep. And then if he doesn't listen to you, bring another witness. If he doesn't then listen to you, then, and only then, take it to the church. That's right. Thank you for those who called in, who wrote in. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be back in just a few moments.